The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Lang alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. The second of three prospect pods we're doing, focusing on the Arizona Fall League. We were both down there a couple weeks ago, James, and uh, last week we were touching on the first half of your uh, well, not your latest because you had a new one go up this week, but your one of your latest farm futures piece pieces looking at uh, players you saw in the Arizona Fall League. Go back and check out a lot of players we touched on last week. Uh, we're going to get through the rest of them, most of the uh, the remaining players this week. But first, a couple of big trades went down this week involving uh, a handful, well, maybe not a handful, but at least three top 50 prospects, starting with the, the Craig Kimbrell trade. And then, of course, with Gene Segura being moved from Atlanta, uh, I think that was late last week, Sean Newcomb came over to the Braves. We'll, so we'll start with the with the Kimbrel trade because Javi Guerra, Manuel Margot, 
both very interesting players. With the move to San Diego, do you see those guys, maybe their ETAs creeping up a bit at all, maybe early 2017 for either of those guys? Uh, Margot's definitely going to be there in 17. Uh, that's I don't think that's debatable as long as he stays healthy. I uh, believe he got a taste of double A last year and – Obviously, they don't have much at all in, in the way of center fielders, I mean, unless you really like Jankowski, which I, I think he's more of kind of a fourth outfielder maybe. Yeah, yeah I mean, had Margot had 282 plate appearances at AA last year, more than held his own, so I, I think he'll be up maybe even late 2016 if, if for whatever reason the Padres find themselves competitive. Obviously, that's probably unlikely, but yeah, Margot's obviously going to be up in 2017. Guerra, uh you know he's far enough away where it's just really hard to predict with a ton of certainty when when we'll see him. But obviously the shortstop of the future for them, uh, assuming he sticks it short. And I mean they're, they're really kind of prior to that trade lacking in in high impact infield prospects. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's that was a big get by them. He hasn't played above high, uh, low A yet, so probably two years away minimum maybe maybe three years away but uh, we've talked about him before uh, really big fan of the the bat you know be, uh, bat first shortstop 15 homers last year and under 500 plate appearances for for Greenville and and that was more than Raphael Devers hit for for that same squad so kind of speaks to his power just just turned 20 so entering his age 20 season at, at high a so he'll be young for that level and uh really really like the guy i think you know he's a top 30 prospect for me on my latest rankings margot i haven't haven't finalized him yet but margot in the mix to be a top 20 guy so you know maybe maybe even a better haul than what the phillies got for uh for cole hamels if mm-hmm. you're just judging like in terms of the top two or three pieces so uh really nice job by the padres in a better package than what they gave up to get Kimbrell initially. Yeah, I get that they were taking yeah. on Bossman Junior's deal. Yeah, that in that that trade, was a big but, part of that. Yeah, but, I mean, not not one, not a trade that makes a ton of sense for me from the Red Sox perspective. You know, I, I kind of wonder. Obviously, you look at that that Red Sox roster, and it's hard to point to a spot on the offensive side of things that they could have upgraded via trade for for 2016 unless they were able to somehow unload the Hanley or Pablo contracts but to just get a a relief pitcher albeit one of the best in the game to get a you know three years of a relief pitcher at a fairly fair salary it's not like you're getting them at a a huge discount Mm -hmm. for two guys that could be you know top two or three hitters in a lineup uh, and, and giving up that much control over those guys at premium positions seems like an awful lot to give up. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's kind of Dombrowski's M.O. to kind of get hard throwers and to to move prospects when needed. But uh, one that I, I don't know. I really like it for the Padres. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it for the Padres. I do kind of see from a certain perspective, you know, just having Koji Uihara in that closer role. And you do have Kimbrell under contract for three more years, but these two prospects, plus two other guys, uh, quite a bit to give up. And uh, certainly like Guerra, I mean, the pop he showed last year, the ability is short, impressive. But mm-hmm. I wanted to get back to Margot for a second. 
Really impressed to see the just 36 strikeouts in those 282 plate appearances at Double A, 51 in total, and 480 plate appearances. Uh, also has you know ample speed, 39 stolen bases, six homers though total. Do you think any power growth that you could project maybe sapped a bit as a right-hander moving to Petco? Uh, power was never going to be a huge part of the package with him. Uh, I think that. You know, he's he kind of reminds me a bit of Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's ever going to quite hit for for the type of power that that Betts has shown the ability to hit for. I'm I'm thinking, uh, you know, twelve to fifteen homer pop in the big leagues seems pretty reasonable. But what you love about him is that that bat to ball ability that you touched on mm-hmm. with the the low strikeout totals and then to go with that you got you got plus speed uh maybe even plus plus speed you know still almost 40 bags and just over 100 games so if he's getting on base at like a a 330 340 clip hitting 280 290 that's going to be you know a ton of stolen bases and then all he really has to do at that point is hit like 10 homers and mm-hmm. you're looking at like a top 30 top 40 fantasy player so yeah, he had uh, 12 in 2014 yeah so double digit power i think is there and uh you know really good really good defender i get like the the red sox he he was basically kind of the exact same thing as what they sort of had in in Rusine and bradley and Betts. so not a an area of need for them. I get why he was one of the prospects they chose to move, but I just wonder if there wasn't something better out there. You know, like say uh, I I saw, I think Dave Cameron brought this up at, at Fangrass, you know, why not float a package like this with maybe something else uh, to the Marlins for Jose Fernandez and just see what they say, because I gotta admit, I, I gotta imagine there were a lot of teams that would have been pretty excited to take on Margot and Guerra, mm-hmm. uh, giving up a, a pitcher. You'd like to get a starter, I think, if you're going to get those two guys up. So, uh, you know, could help, could help the Red Sox win a World Series though, too. You never know. Yeah. And and you like the that's definitely an area of need for them in that bullpen. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely get it. Um, one thing that it does kind of tell me is that the Red it it. It's hard to kind of make this leap in logic, but I, I do think that it does sort of say how high the Red Sox are on guys like uh, Moncada and Devers. Yeah. That they chose to hold those two guys and chose to move Margot and Guerra. That sort of tells you sort of where the pecking order is there. Yeah. So. And how high they are on, I mean, obviously on bets, but also Bogarts after a strong season last I'm, year. I don't think those guys yeah. are going anywhere. I, I'm not buying anything to do with any sort of Bogarts movement. You know, I've no. heard it uh, in Arizona. Uh, one of our buddies in the industry floated the idea of them shopping him. No way. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he proved last year that he can handle playing defense at shortstop, and that's a, a big-time breakout bat in, in 2016 for me. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned that while it was hefty price, I mean, this could put the Red Sox back right back in contention for the pennant. I think we all expected them to be a lot better last year. Uh, I think that they did finish last in that division, if I remember correctly, but I think uh, – a leap from worst to first is certainly well within the realm of possibility, especially how things started to click at the end. 
add maybe a, a starting pitching piece through free agency, I think you're in, in pretty good shape. But definitely an interesting trade. It'll be years before we can really truly judge this trade, but uh, definitely one that will be remembered for a long time. What did you make of the, the Simmons deal to, to Anaheim? I was a little surprised, but Braves really going all in with this rebuild. Yeah, so the I liked the prospect side for the, the – uh, Kimbrel trade, but I like the big leaguer side for the <laughs> Simmons trade. I, th- I think the Angels did pretty well here, getting a guy like Simmons who's locked up uh, through twenty twenty, I believe, right? And and that's yep. that's a heck of a lot so of five more years. control on the best defensive shortstop in baseball. And really, the the linchpin of that deal going to the Braves is Sean Newcomb, who's a, a promising pitcher, uh, obviously. You're drawn to the strikeouts. I believe he led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year. Uh, but a guy that really has struggled with command, and so I mean, he you know if he was if he was only issuing say three and a half walks per nine, you might be looking at a top twenty prospect. But mm-hmm. the fact that he hasn't been. I mean, he's been over four and a half walks per nine uh, at every step in 2015. He actually went uh, three levels, low A, high A, double A. Got up to six per nine in 36 innings at double A. Uh, so this is a, a legitimate issue with him. I mean, it's something you got to watch. It's it's a high-risk guy considering where he's at. I mean, mm-hmm. I got questions about him last year, like why aren't you including – Sean Newcomb in terms of uh, most strike I did like a most strikeout potential list and it listed like five guys didn't include him the reason is I mean if, if you're miss if you're walking guys at that clip you're not gonna be able to miss that kind of bats so you're not mm-hmm. gonna be able to stay in a rotation uh, so he's got to get that taken care of I don't think he's all that close from being a a fan all that close to being a fantasy stud because he's gonna have to start probably back at double a and get that get that command under under wraps otherwise they're just not gonna put him in that that rotation so Mm -hmm. uh a nice kind of high upside arm to get but to give up a guy like simmons and get you might not really get much out of that deal like you get i get a year i bar uh chris ellis is uh he's fine is he a top 200 type of prospect he's not a top 200 guy he's probably a top 300 guy uh a likely number five maybe a maybe a number four but that's not much you know mm-hmm. i think that the the braves obviously wanted to move simmons i think they they must feel like defense is something they can afford to get whereas high-end starting pitching is something that's really hard to get and mm-hmm. i think they're just they're basically just trying to load their system with arms and hope that one, two or three pan out because they have a bunch of guys who seem like below 50% propositions to make it as number two or number three starters. But if they just get a few of those guys to hit, then they'll probably be okay. Yeah. Uh, still, I, I just wonder what else was out there. I'd, I'd rather take on, uh, you know, one. Obviously, they probably weren't getting offers that they liked. But, you know, I wonder if the, you know, the Dodgers were rumored to be interested. If I'd, I'd prefer Jose De Leon over over Newcomb, if that was a possibility, uh, there's there's a lot of other minor league pitchers I'd prefer over Newcomb just because the the risk is lower. But you know maybe that was the best they could get. 
Yeah, I mean, stockpiling arms is really what John Hart's been doing since he took over. They got to hope. I mean, they hit on even 50% of those guys because mm-hmm. otherwise uh, the rebuild, you know, it's all said and done, maybe a little underwhelming, maybe not reaching the heights uh, they're expecting to when they move into their new stadium. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, the the Braves maybe feel that that defense is replaceable. Ultimately, they have Ozano Albies, who's a guy that they really kind of, you know, with this trade, a lot of people pointing to him as a guy who could maybe be contributing at that position even before the end of the year. But uh, I also think, you know, just the idea that defense ages quicker than a bat is another big thing. But Simmons, even with, you know, poor offensive showing the last two years, he's been a two-plus war type of guy, 3.2 war, uh, Last year, obviously, that's all all based on the defense. But you got to think, given his, his ability to make contact at a high clip, you get a better better lineup around him. He could be a startable fantasy shortstop this year. Yeah, I think the last projected lineup I saw had him hitting in the two hole with Calhoun and Trout on either side of him, and be fruitful. That's sure. can't really ask for much more than that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, there's been research, I think, that shows that with these kind of glove-first stars, you know, like a Yadier Molina type or, you know, Lorenzo Cain type, Carlos Gomez type, that those guys, the, the glove peaks early and then the bat peaks late. So mm-hmm. I think you might uh, be able to make a case that Simmons' best offensive years are ahead of him. So, yeah, I, I moved him into my top 350. He wasn't there prior to this trade but i think i have him in the the 340s now just kind of as an end game play in case yeah. uh, that spot in the lineup really kind of pays off for him and at shortstop in that point in drafts that position's really thin so and you know he's going to play every day yeah that's the nice thing you don't yeah. have to worry about maybe he loses his job because he's not hitting like there's no way he's getting out of that lineup so that's yeah. that's a nice perk there clearly that 17 homer season when he first came in very fluky but I think the rest of the counting stats should should creep up with, with that if that the is the spot he, he's in in the line. And the fact that he did that once shows you that it's it's in there. It's it's yeah. possible that he could do it again. Like it, yeah. it's obviously he hasn't backed it up in previous in in ensuing seasons, but uh, I I think he could definitely get over fifteen homers again in in the right circumstance. Yeah, I could see that as well. He's yeah, it's. Uh, situation where I'm, I'm not expecting that but maybe the change of scenery kind of ignites him and uh he's 26 now i don't see that defense fading uh, even from an elite level maybe he's not this all-world caliber guy in two years but uh i think he probably has four or so years of being a top defensive shortstop in baseball now i mentioned albies does he jump up your prospect list at all just given maybe a little bit closer proximity to the majors um what was his injury again? I forget. It was like some something kind of weird. I think it may have been like a thumb. I'll double yeah, check. Hair, here. Oh yeah, hairline fracture in the in the yeah. thumb. Um, he's a guy like he's probably the guy that I am most down on relative to other people's rankings. Like I, I think a lot of people view him as this is just completely a fantasy versus reality type of thing where we're you'll see him ranked ahead of. You know, tons of tons of shortstops just based on uh, his glove and you know the hit tool and everything. Fact is, he hasn't played above low A. He's hit one home run as a professional. 
he's not he's he's fast, but he's not like Jorge Mateo fast. And mm. obviously, you, you like the batting average. You know, it's a it's a, obviously a pretty strong hit tool. But the guy's probably three years away from the majors. Has shown zero signs of of ever hitting for power. So you're kind of hoping that he turns into Elvis Andrews, you know? Yeah, like yeah, it's, That's not bad. It, it's fine, but yeah, Elvis Elvis Andrews was never a top 50 fantasy pick. Yeah, he was never – I mean, he's not even a a top, like, 150 guy right now. So I, I think you're lower on him than a lot of other prospects. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think it's um, – And I'm sure I'm, I'm – I just – I don't – care like i don't yeah. i don't value a shortstop that's not gonna hit for any power and isn't gonna steal more than 40 bases so like i'm not gonna put him in my top yeah. 50 when he's three years away you really think he's he's that far away still i mean he's obviously very young he uh, hasn't played above low a i don't know yeah, why, that's true. I would, why would you think he'd get there in a hurry I, yeah i, I mean i did not 2016 but i thought 2017 maybe but i guess uh it's up in the air i just think that uh, it maybe better move, real life. He value. could move faster than he was gonna move. I mm. mean, I, I guess I could see that, but I mean, they. I think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna get to double A next year. I don't think he's gonna get to triple A the year after that. So huh. I, it's. I I don't know. It's hard yeah. for me to see him getting there before twenty eighteen. That's interesting. Well, there'll be a lot of more trades, I'm sure, in the weeks ahead. I'm hoping my Reds uh, get a deal for Chapman done, get a nice return there. Braves pretty adamant that they're not going to trade Freddie Freeman, who's kind of the last piece. Uh, I could kind of see that, but I think there might be some uh, some more top 100 guys on the move in the weeks ahead, and we'll be sure to keep you updated. But we'll get you. Uh, we'll jump to the farm futures piece, James's article from uh, last Tuesday. So go be sure to go back and check that out. Rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial, no strings attached. We're going to jump about halfway down. Last player we touched on last week was Chad Pinder, shortstop for the A's. I want to talk about Nick Treviso for the Reds, right-hander. We saw him down there. Looked pretty good. I know some scouts said they liked him more than, than Sean Manaya, who we saw. Uh, has a mid-'90s fastball, a high-'80s cutter, slider. Liked what I saw, but he's not really a big guy. Doesn't really have the – doesn't look like a, an MLB starter. Where do you have him among your top 200? Uh, I think he's in the, I think in the one thirties maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think I have him one forty four right now. That that could change before we put out the mag. The the list in the mag is going to be the you know official kind of preseason one. He's just he doesn't have number two upside, which kind of dings him a little bit. Uh, but I do think it's it's kind of a safe profile as you know, number four, maybe, maybe the chance to be a number three. And that's a, a pretty nice situation for him to be in. Cause that, that's a team that might push him a bit, a bit quicker than, than maybe some other organizations. Cause they're collecting young arms, but I think he's got as, as high a floor as any of their starters that haven't reached the majors. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's a, a surefire big league starter, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's definitely got some value later in in dynasty league drafts, and he's probably available in quite a few leagues. Strikeout rates 
been kind of middling so right. far in his four major or four professional seasons. Any reason to think that might tick up as he advances? I don't think so. Kind I of think, seven and seven yeah, range. I think he's going to be like kind of a one forty, one fifty strikeouts a year type of guy. And I mentioned that you know, some scouts liked him uh, more than Sean Manaya. You still taking Manaya by yeah, a fair margin? Got to go. Got to yeah. go with the upside and the tools there. Saw Manaya after we talked about him last week. Had I think a nine K game in the yeah. AFL single single game high for, in the AFL this season. So uh, nice to see him finish strong. Move on. Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. Some some talk that he might actually be the best catching prospect in the minors right now. A pretty agile, and of course Kyle Schwarber. I think we're both in agreement that he's uh, you know the, the opportunity to maybe try him and and have him catch long-term is kind of out the window because he'd have to go down the mi- the minors for maybe up to a full season to really yeah. develop that defensive behind the plate. And uh, the bats just – t- yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> Offense way too valuable. So where does Contreras fit in? Maybe Miguel Montero, if there's an injury to him, or do you maybe think the, those two, Montero and, and Contreras, split time relatively early on in the season? Uh, You know, I think Contreras will be up probably – I don't know if I had to guess. I'd say late June, uh, something like that, and probably be, you know, maybe two starts a week, maybe maybe three starts a week here and there. But I think Montero is still going to be the top guy on that depth chart in 2016. 2017 might be where that starts to change a little bit. I, I like Contreras a lot, and I – I definitely get the case for him to be the top catching prospect in the minors, but just for fantasy purposes, I see quite a bit more ceiling with a guy like Jacob Nottingham. Uh, I see the case for Contreras to kind of be in in that mix, though. Like, you know, you got Nottingham, you got Jorge Alfaro, you got Tom Murphy, uh, Gary Sanchez, Chance Sisko. Uh, these are all the guys that are kind of in that mix, and I think you could totally make a make a strong case that you'd take Contreras over those guys. Uh, doesn't quite have the offensive upside, in my opinion, of of really any of those guys, but he probably has the higher floor than than anyone, including Nottingham. So if you're just going for floor and you're trying to get a catcher that's going to be, you know, probably a top fifteen option at the position for the next six or seven years. Then, then he's probably the, the safest bet. But I don't, I don't see too many. Uh, I don't see him creeping up towards twenty homers anytime soon. Hmm. That's interesting because you know has has that gap power right now. Thirty four doubles this year. He's kind of a small guy though. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah, not six one only. Like, One hundred seventy five. And, and he's got the build. Like I think he's a converted third baseman or yeah. So he's, yeah, he's a converted. Third uh, just sort of undersized like he doesn't have the look of a you know kind of a beefy catcher like that's going to hit for a ton of pop so that's that's where he, I mean we saw Gary Sanchez hit that towering shot I don't I don't think you're going to see Contreras hit too many bombs like that so does the sheer grade lacking a bit for <laughs> fantasy purposes yeah I mean it I love a I love a catcher that's going to go out there and hit 280 yeah. and score 60 runs drive in 55 oh, I mean that's that's plenty fine especially in deeper leagues two catcher leagues but not a guy that you got to get super excited about in, in dynasty leagues i I, mm-hmm. I am kind of getting down a little bit on jorge alfaro mm-hmm. i might nice. actually end up moving yeah i think nottingham's probably going to slot in a, a little bit above him just because there's so much risk with alfaro but 
Contreras is probably the safest option in the minors right now. I think that's interesting that you know while he has that gap power right now again thirty four doubles, you kind of see ten to twelve homers yeah. as as the upside there. Still, a guy that in like our seventeen team staff keeper league, I guess I moved to sixteen teams this year. Sixteen team two catcher keeper league. He should be rostered should be on, for sure. Yeah, I don't and if think he's not. Should, he'll be he a first go. round pick next year in the reserve round. Yeah, he should go in the. I don't think mm. he should go in the auction, no. but if I mean, he should definitely go in the reserve round for sure. All right, that is interesting. Well, we'll move on. Lucas Sims, uh, Braves right-hander. We, we saw him opposite Sean Manaya in the Fall Stars game, and we were lucky to have a, a gun in front of us, a couple rows ahead. We were. That was pretty cool. That he was, was he was working mid nineties for the most part. I did see a, a ninety-seven flash mm. up there quick. It was kind of unbalanced as far as fastball velocity was kind of ranging from i think 93 to 97 Uh, but what did you take away uh, from that outing for sims uh i thought his curveball was the best breaking ball i saw all weekend and you know that's obviously awesome to see you know he was throwing it for strikes he was getting swings and misses in the zone uh really just kind of a beautiful pitch I'd say it probably had twelve six break. Uh that you know, it, it worked really well, even though kinda having a hard time locating the fastball uh the way that he that it the way that he wanted, but when he was throwing it that hard, it didn't matter at times. I think that, you know, control is gonna be a big uh fastball control is gonna be a big part of whether or not he makes it as a number three or whether he potentially ends up as a bullpen arm. I think you know, if you were to just have him go for one inning out of the pen, that, that could be pretty deadly with that, that mm-hmm. curve and that fastball. I mean that that's probably closer stuff really. So yeah. uh pretty high floor if if the floor is a high leverage reliever, but I think that they're definitely gonna another one of those arms that the Braves are just gonna kinda hope turns into a, a number two or number three yeah the control has really been a issue throughout his pro career so far and really kind of took a step back with that even further this year uh, 154 k to walk and the, so the the walk rate was 5.2 walks per nine uh for the season i, I do think he's, he's gonna need to get that he's only 21 gonna turn 22 in may but it, it still has time to develop that, but I think that is a must if he's going to make it as a start. Kind of an in- interesting to point out, his numbers at Double A actually better on the whole than than Sean Newcomb's. <laughs> and Newcomb, I mean, and even with the the when you factor in strikeouts, like Sims mm-hmm. was missing a ton of bats, struggled with the walks, and so was and that was an issue for Newcomb as well. So obviously, you're going to see Newcomb probably a hundred spots higher than Sims on most prospect rankings. But mm-hmm. I, I think they both carry a similar amount of risk. Well, I think that's that's something where, yeah, the Braves are stockpiling these high risk arms. It's like they need to have again. They need to have that one conversion of them will rate. probably pan out. You know, one of them, I mean, yeah. well, <laughs> you just you kind of need. Hope it's more than one. Kind of need two or three to pan out for it to kind of look good. I mean, I. I wasn't a fan of a ton of the arms they, they acquired. You know, I, I liked the fact that they got Banuelos for nothing, but obviously mm-hmm. injuries uh, conti- continue to be an issue with him. I uh, wasn't a big fan of um, Fulte. Wasn't, wasn't a huge Whistler guy. Uh, I think Tyrell Jenkins has kind of been a pleasant surprise. You know, Toussaint? I, uh, I, I think Toussaint's about as high risk as it gets. And yeah. He's 
obviously not as far along as Sims and Newcomb. So tons of arms that are going to be um, pretty volatile, I think. They, they might have a couple nice bullpen arms if they don't turn into solid starters. But uh, I was commenting to Derek today, I mean, this is kind of the pro version of a team in a dynasty league that's just constantly rebuilding. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're offering Shelby Miller now is available. Like, what What are you trying to yeah. do? You know, like you got so, a young, controllable starting pitcher, and now you want to ship him off for more prospects? Like, yeah. what's the goal? I mean, you have a you have a top, you know, top two or three mm-hmm. uh, pitcher already. I, mean, I don't know why you're trying to move him. I get, I get trying to move on from maybe – uh, expire a guy that's going to be a free agent in a couple of years, but got Miller under control. It's just kind of yeah. confusing what they're doing. You know, if I if you were to trade him or Freddie, I mean, you'd think you'd have to get some really high high floor guys because right now it's I don't think they can afford to take on much. And more they need risk. to get a posi- they need to get some position players in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. they're they're lacking any really marketable. Uh, position player other than Freddie Freeman right yeah. now like they don't have Adonis Garcia man <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean like it's it's like Cameron Maven and Hector yeah. Oliveira I mean these are guys that you want batting like sixth or seventh probably yeah and I think they average like less than 15,000 fans last year yeah I mean they don't have I mean that that lineup I mean even if you look at the farm there's not much coming on the <laughs> farm you have Ozzy Albies and Malik Smith is maybe their next best position prospect, and I mean that's kind of a speed first center fielder. Like I, I don't know, it's it's kind of concerning because at least when like the Astros bottomed up, they were getting guys like Correa and Appel and stuff mm-hmm. like that in the draft. They had Springer on the way. I, I don't really see that same kind of fruit coming up the the pipeline for for the Braves. Yeah, and they're so adamant on selling tickets in 2017, but who's going to sell those tickets? You know, if you don't have Freddie and if some of these, if a lot of these arms don't pan out. We'll move on. Philip Irvin of the Reds, you kindly pointed out that I threw a, a BP comp out there. Just, <laughs> that was just, uh, I mean, as far as body, not really, but just kind of how they, the the walk. It was weird. It, and maybe the size. Uh, but definitely Philip Irvin has a lot more meat on his bones, not nearly as athletic. Uh, but you were impressed by the bat speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he kind of scorched a couple balls, uh, ripped one back up the middle, uh, getting getting good wood uh, out there, and you know that was nice to see. Don't love the body, as as you mentioned, kind of a you know sort of a a, a small pair, basically. I mean, it wasn't like he's an athletic dude, but it it doesn't look you know like if you just looked at his pedigree and his numbers on you know fangrass or baseball reference you would be kind of expecting to see something else i think Mm -hmm. it's not a body that i see the speed kind of holding on much longer as a a big part of his game so power is going to have to kind of develop and the hit tool is going to have to develop and i think he's he's not a top 100 guy got off to a hot start last year but really kind of fizzled probably in that i don't know 140 to 170 range i mean he's got plenty of upside still but uh yeah, I don't love the body, kind of yet to put it all together. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of, you know, well, when we talked to some scouts, he was just kind of a guy who, like, baffled a lot of people because the tools are pretty exceptional, uh, but he just hasn't put it together. And, yeah, 2014, he had a wrist injury he was coming off of in, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, Dayton Dragons. It's a tough place to hit. Uh, but this year, it 
yeah, you mentioned it kind of started to fall apart again at the end. Was pretty impressive for what we saw, but uh, I don't really ever see him being, you know, well, maybe an everyday guy, but I don't even know if that's, I think that's, uh, I think like a fourth outfielder type is also entirely possible if he doesn't doesn't pull it together. Definitely quite a few tiers below a guy like Jesse Winker, who I think, you know, some people maybe soured on him a bit this year, but I think he's pretty easily Red's best position player prospect. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's definitely the case. Uh, Maybe I mean, not after the Chapman trade. <laughs> the <laughs> impending Araldis Chapman trade. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, I think. I mean, you you want guys like Irvin in the system. Yeah. Like you want, uh, you know, bats that could work out. You just, uh, I don't know. He. It's not quite what you might have hoped it would have been uh, coming out of that draft. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, Adam Engel was a guy that I didn't know much about coming in. You took him in, in Paul Spores. Uh, we had a little mini game for the Fall Stars game where you you know you, you had a little seven person draft taking players, and uh, I know you took him. Well, he was leading off that game, mm-hmm. so it was a logical pick. But uh, he, he turns twenty four in a month. What is the upside of the guy here? Does he have a starting role in this organization anytime soon? that's kind of tough to project just because their outfield's a little crowded right now and you know obviously you would assume they might be making uh making some moves i mean obviously their their season didn't go as planned so i don't think anyone's really safe on that roster but other than abreu and sale and rodan but yeah, I think he's he's a guy that's going to get a shot, whether it's with the White Sox or with someone else, to to be an everyday player. Uh, kind of a fringe prospect, though. I don't know if he's a quite a top two hundred guy, just because uh, it's it's definitely. I mean, he's got a lot of speed. Sixty five stolen bases. This which, year. Yeah, you like the speed. Uh, just not sure if the glove and the bat are going to play enough for him to be viewed as uh any team's kind of ideal starting center fielder uh he was only at high a this year as a 23 year old right yeah i mean you you know old for the level always kind of a a red flag but just the fact that he's got that speed i think is is worth keeping an eye on uh only hit 251 despite a 321 babip so that's that's a little little odd but a little bit of swing and miss in his game too but decent approach Guy to watch for sure, but not probably not going to crack the top 200. Kyle Freeland, lefty for the Rockies, making up for lost time in the fall league. He had a, a shoulder injury that limited him to just 46 innings this year. You know, with fantasy, it's, of course, the the, the cores factor, but, but that coupled with health concerns really kind of, you know, puts him on the fringes of, mm-hmm. of ownership, even in that 16-team 10 minor league spot keeper league. Yeah, so like he's probably not going to crack. I don't know. He he might crack the top 200. I actually really liked what I saw from him in Arizona. Just really athletic kid. Uh, really liked the delivery. You know, 6'3 lefty. Love that auto- automatically. Throws in the uh, low low to mid 90s. So I, I definitely get what why the why the Rockies took him where they did eighth pick and hmm. the 2014 draft but yeah I mean he's he's a ways away uh, only 39 
and two-thirds innings above low A, so probably not going to get there till at least 2017. And then, obviously, the, the Rockies thing. So if you were to get traded, like mm-hmm. – if he went to any any other organization, he's a guy I'd be scrambling to pick up in, in dynasty leagues. But there's uh, no reason incentive for them to move a guy like that, right? Just because that's obviously such a glaring, I know, glaring need. What what's about the pitch mix with this guy? Uh, fastball looks good. I know he's got a, a slider, cutter, and a changeup. Which one? Which one is his favorite secondary pitch? Do you know? Because uh, the pitch mix was something that I was, uh, I didn't didn't feel like I saw all of his pitches there. I think he was throwing the slider a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, to it, he wasn't that sharp when we saw him. I just really kind of liked. I wasn't focusing on the results mm-hmm. so much as just kind of you know really kind of jumped out to me as a just a super athletic guy uh, with his delivery. Uh, you know, I think it, it right now it's a fastball slider predominantly, but he's got plenty of time, and we we talked about how he's just at, at high A, probably headed back there this year. So got time to work on the the curve and the change. So I, I think he's someone to definitely watch. I, I obviously, like like we always say, downgrade the Rockies guys, but uh, was impressed. I was more impressed with him leaving Arizona than I was on my way to Arizona. Huh, that's, you know, a tough spot to be in. I will want to monitor him closely. Uh just because, yeah, we haven't seen a lot of pitchers have success in Colorado, but uh, you know, just the in the off chance he gets moved, or, or maybe he has some success uh, early on. Maybe he's allowed, even as a as a guy when he first comes up, that you you use the stream on the road. Maybe he develops into more than that. But definitely got to keep an eye on now. JD Davis, third baseman for Houston, really disappointing to see the comp you threw out here in Matt Davidson. <laughs> uh, what what led you to that? that comparison uh look he hasn't failed the way that davidson has so like it's a i mean let's let's not forget davidson was a top 100 prospect at one point so Mm. before davidson failed in the big leagues you know that would have been a fairly favorable count for a guy like that uh just looking at the body looking at the swing and miss and the power and the position it just all kind of reminded me of of Matt Davidson for that reason. I mean, mm-hmm. that's this is a guy that was you know, we we talked about the that Hauser outing, Adrian Hauser Brewers pitching prospect, the the lesser of the two pitchers they got in the Gomez deal. Uh he was just everything he was throwing was pretty straight and everyone was kind of bailing it up except uh Davis was the guy that swung and missed twice uh, mm-hmm. against Hauser. So that just sort of speaks to how uh, significant the contact issues are obviously plenty of power I'm just not sure he's going to be able to get to that power against better pitching so uh, I think Colin Moran is a significantly better prospect in that organization he's higher up the chain than Davis so I think he's going to get first crack at that third base job so not really sure Davis has anywhere to play either huh that's that's interesting I mean he's He's a guy that I've seen show flashes, but yeah, the the, the drawbacks are certainly there, and uh, a lot of risk. If we're talking dynasty keeper leagues, and Hauser, yeah, I mean that that game is just line drive shots all over the field. I think we counted maybe one swing and miss in the entire that game. That was Davis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, it was not impressed at all. I mean, by what maybe I saw. he was just like 
Maybe he was just drooling in the on-deck circle, looking at how straight some of those fastballs were, and just decided <laughs> he was just going to go up there hacking, and yeah. then Hauser uh, caught him off guard with a breaker. But, yeah, I mean, it, not a guy that you want to be swinging and missing against, given how easy everyone else yeah. seemed to be having it at the plate. Completely different story with, with Hader, who we saw looked excellent, a ton of swings and misses, making hitters look foolish, but Hauser... Uh, it's just too straight, too much hard well, like, contact. Okay, let me ask you this really quick. Uh, would you rather have uh, Josh Hader or Sean Newcomb in a dynasty league? Ooh. Uh, I really was impressed with Hader, but I think I might just take Newcomb because I think maybe the ceiling's a little slightly higher. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's... But that's like the type of question that I think like every dynasty league owner needs to have those questions like at the that, forefront. Like that should be uh, you should know the answer to that just based on your kind of own the way that you value uh, minor league pitchers because I think Hader is the safer guy. Now obviously I think if you haven't seen him pitch live there's really no reason for you to value him the way that you would value Newcomb because obviously the numbers are impressive, but just based on pedigree, mm-hmm. strikeouts, Newcomb is the sexier option for sure. But I definitely see a case for saying hater if you're just like, hey, I want a guy who I know is going to be pitching in a big league rotation in 2017, probably as a number three, maybe even a little bit better. I think that's that's hater as long as he stays healthy, whereas Newcomb, he could be pitching – as a number two starter by the end of this year for the Braves, or he could just, you know, like I look at Newcomb kind of as a guy, like remember uh, like Robert Stevenson or like Archie Bradley, like a few years ago where we were just like, Oh man, look at this guy. Like he's going to mm-hmm. miss a ton of bats. Uh, and then they just kind of hit a, hit a snag at, in the upper levels where, Guys aren't chasing their junk anymore, mm-hmm. and they're, they're having a hard time throwing the fastball for strikes. That can really kind of shift the way you think about a prospect once he has prolonged struggles in the upper minors. So I think that could be happening for Newcomb in 2016, whereas Hader I view as a, a much safer option. Well, seeing Hader live, very easy to fall in love with him too. I mean, if you haven't seen him live, yeah, you could easily overlook him. But you get eyes on him, and yeah, that gap between him and a guy like Newcomb closes in a hurry. Kind of speaks to how well the Brewers did in that Gomez, Mike Fires deal, getting a guy like Phillips mm-hmm. and Hader in that. We'll move on. Don't have a lot of time left, but Letimus Diaz saw he was added to the forty-man roster. Really, just Rule Five protection. I think he could be a depth option, but is uh, is he going to be a, an option to start? Maybe in twenty seventeen at short. I know you saw. You think he's probably more of a second base, right? Yeah, I, I just think he's he looks like a second baseman all the way to me, uh, which obviously means he's behind Colton Wong on the organizational depth chart. I think he's just a really nice guy to have if you're the Cardinals as as a nice guy who could step in there soon mm-hmm. if if you ever need uh, if Wong ever gets hurt. Not a guy that I think they view as as starter, but a guy that could crack a 25-man as the, the third infield option at, at some point. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And he's, again, I, I don't really see, unless there's an injury to Wong or Peralta, him being an option to start this year. But definitely a, a guy that I think will contribute and maybe have definitely a DFS type of guy. that when he's If he gets some spot starts, he's got a little pop, you can definitely throw him out there. One guy I wanted to ask you about, just because, I really didn't know anything about him. I know he wasn't really on your radar either. 
Bernie Pleskov mentioned him when we were, we were talking with him, and you were pretty impressed with you saw with what you saw in Arizona uh, from Dustin Fowler of the Yankees, outfielder. Of course, they don't really have a an avenue, or he doesn't have an avenue to play currently. But but what's the upside with him, and, and where when do you see him slotting into this potentially slotting into this Yankees lineup? I don't really see him like if I had to bet. I don't think Dustin Fowler is ever viewed as a starter by the Yankees. Hmm. Uh, that said, he could be viewed as a starter by somebody else. I mean, there, a lot of the reasons why guys play in the AFL is to be showcased as potential trade bait to other teams. You know, obviously tons of scouts in attendance. I'm sure they all saw what, what Bernie saw and what uh, some other guys saw. Brent Hershey mentioned to me, I was like, Who, who's really stood out to you this weekend? And he said Fowler. So... Uh, a lot of guys impressed by what they saw from him. I could see him getting shipped off possibly in a deal. The Yankees don't need any outfielders anytime soon. That's kind of obvious, especially after the Aaron Hicks trade. So don't really see him in the long-term plans in that organization. But if he catches on somewhere else, uh, looking at him as a guy that could be a p- possible leadoff hitter if everything clicks. Send him to Cincinnati. Hey, since he could definitely make room for him. Yeah, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Throw him I into just, that. Yeah, throw him into the inevitable Yankees Chapman deal. I mean, I've been I've been pumping that up all week. I, I would love to see it. <laughs> I think it makes makes sense from the Yankees standpoint. I, I heard the rumors that they were actually looking to maybe move Andrew Miller, which made very little sense. But I think if you, I mean, if they go the opposite direction from that and add Chapman to that bullpen already, we're talking about an all-time great bullpen. And yeah, no need for foul or a guy like Aaron Judge uh, any time in the short term. Yon Lopez, last guy I wanted to, to touch on. You look at him on the mound, and he, he's got kind of that look that, that you want. Uh, when we saw him, he looked pretty good, but a lot of, of makeup character issues with this guy. Yeah, we don't have much time, but uh, you know, Jim Callis kind of relayed some stuff to us. Some comical. Items. Yeah, this guy's just a mess off the field. And, you know, he, if you just watch him, like if you just get plopped down in a seat and you see him throw pitches like six through 12 of like the first inning, you might be like, wow, this guy's got some stuff. But if you watch him warm up, if you hear anyone talk about him, uh, that all kind of fizzles from your mind pretty quickly. Uh, probably going to be ranked as a top 10 guy in their org by, by most places, probably our side as well, but probably a reliever long-term, not a guy that I think you should be aggressive about in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I mean, just the off-the-field stuff. Him leaving the team for a while last year, uh, hitting Dansby Swanson in the face in instructional leagues, all pretty crazy. But that'll do it for us on this episode of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Be sure to rate and review the podcast if you get time. Uh, we'll be back talking more AFL and, and James's Raimel Tapia, Austin Meadows piece next week. Thanks for listening, guys. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. 
That's Razor, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.